I am Amina Tuso. I am a co-host of the podcast Call Your Girlfriend and a co-author of the book Big Friendship. I'm Ann Friedman, and both of those titles uh, apply to me as well. <laughs> I'm the other half. <laughs> How long have y'all been friends for now? It's been over a decade, right? Yes. Yeah, 11 Definitely. years. We've been... I was doing the math in my head, Anne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've been friends since 2009, and now we are... We're on to 11 and staring down the barrel of 12. <laughs> Anne Friedman and Aminatu So have a pretty serious bond, so much so that they wrote a book about it called Big Friendship. They wanted to honor the complexity and importance of platonic friendships, those relationships that really society doesn't give as much thought to. Another way they honor their relationship? With a friend anniversary. They celebrate it every year in May. We send, you know, like we send a gift like that always makes me laugh a lot because mm. it's just like really fun to shop for something that is not a holiday that is like sanctioned, I guess, by society. But I think, you know, there is something also just about seeing a friend anniversary in the calendar for me at least that it like it feels very grounding you know like mm -hmm. oh okay the, the passage of time is real but also this relationship is a relationship that is worth like remembering every year mm, that's nice what is the most creative or weirdest gift y'all have given each other it's just things based on little inside jokes we have or like little little things that we talk about with each other. Like I have never sent like a, a singing balloon gram or like something that feels ridiculous <laughs> like that. Please do um, not send me a singing balloon gram. <laughs> I know you would hate that. I know you would truly and deeply hate that. And their bond, it feels especially intertwined because with the book and their podcast, they've got a business, which means unlike some other friendships... They're really comfortable talking about money. I want to focus on your friendship when it comes to money and your business. And so, I mean, not to, how would you describe Anne's relationship with money? Oh, man, that is a really good question. Wow. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm Rima Khreis, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a show for Marketplace about life how money messes with it. This week, mixing business and friendship. Plus, Aminatu and Anne joined the group chat to answer some of your burning questions. Anne and Aminatu met back when they were living in D.C. A mutual friend invited them to a Gossip Girl watch party, and soon enough, they were inseparable. They were constantly messaging during work, singing karaoke to Rihanna, or just sitting side by side reading the Sunday paper. It felt like they knew everything about each other. I think that quickly, like within like months of knowing each other, I I knew like like, you know, some like very pertinent details about her finances. Mm. I would say that I think of Anne as someone with a very um healthy relationship to money. I also think of her as the opposite of me, someone who is not like a a frenetic like money spender. <laughs> so I think that when I'm going through my like, ooh, I would like to online shop to feel better. I always just try to take a deep breath and be like, you know, like Ann Friedman is not like doing this kind of nonsense right now. So relax. And Ann, how would you describe Aminatu's relationship with money? First, I have to say that I do buy like useless 
crap online sometimes too. Like I'm a human being. We all don't do we it. all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I also think of Aminatu as someone who is uniquely transparent about money. We both have in common, like, you know, sharing what is up with our finances among the people who we are seeing and invested in every day. You all have a very public facing friendship, right? And so I've noticed that talking about money and jobs, it come it does come really naturally between you two. How did you all get to a place in your friendship where you felt like you could talk about money openly? I think it's important to remember that we did not become friends, you know, last year. The length of our friendship has something to do, I think, with our ease at talking about this because we met at a time when neither of us had money and we were living in an Mm. expensive city. And part of the stuff of everyday life was trying to figure out how to square that circle. And I think it was normalized from an early like phase of our friendship to talk about money in part because it was like it was a concern i will say to that point that i remember like really early on in my friendship with Anne, where um like i was fully unemployed like like zero money and Mm -hmm. you know not doing well and i remember Anne like you wanting to hang out and and just like i said to you i was like oh like i really just like cannot afford to eat out and And I remember just, you know, like that's such a telling point of, okay, I'm going to get a little vulnerable with someone and let's see how they respond. And -hmm. I think that a lot of people don't understand that the, like, can I go to this wedding or it's like, can I afford this vacation or is it cool to go eat out with my friends? Like all of these things are conversations about money. That's a really good point that like in any friendship, it's inevitable for money stuff to come up. Yeah. Like, I always find it funny that I will have friends who will tell you about, like, all of the insane and wild sex they're having. And I love hearing those (laughs) stories. I'm like, please tell me, tell me, tell me. I love the details. But, like, are afraid to tell you, you know, like, how much money is in their checking account that day. I'm like, this makes no sense. Never. So (laughs) this, this makes no sense. Eventually, Anne and Aminatu found themselves on opposite sides of the coast. And that's when they decided to create their podcast, Call Your Girlfriend. Each week, they'd call each other up to talk about what's on their minds. Everything from pop culture to politics. It was not something that we sat down and were like, okay, what are we going to be like as, as um, you know, business partners? It was, it was really um, a lot less thoughtful than that. We were showing up every week to work on something that no one was really seeing or consuming. Or at least that's how it started. Eventually, they had hundreds of thousands of listeners and an LLC, a joint bank account, shared social media logins. They made great co-workers. But outside of work, they noticed their friendship started to change. Aminatu says they were drifting. It's telling that there's not like an incident to point to, because if there was an incident, you'd be like, oh, yeah, like that time, you know, like I did this shitty thing or Anne did that thing. And then this is where the thread starts to unravel. Instead, they were just slowly growing apart. Even when they were in person, it felt awkward, and they weren't talking as much about personal stuff. But the podcast, that was really taking off. So they were in touch constantly about work. Being in business together at the same time that our friendship was failing, um, I think for me, was this like kind of convenient cover story. Mm. Like I could I could say, look, we're working well together. Things aren't that bad. Mm. You know, like it, it enabled me um, to lie to myself about the state of our friendship for longer. And that was like a real process, like coming back from that and realizing that, um, you know, like our friendship was really suffering. So eventually they sat down and were like, OK, we really need to put some work into reconnecting as friends. But 
it was hard. There's not a lot of social support when things aren't going well between friends. So that is when they decided to take a pretty unorthodox approach. They signed up for couples therapy. Part of why um, we understood that, um, you know, couples therapy was uh, <laughs> like a, a recourse that we have is because there these are kind of resources that are available to people who are um in business together Hmm. you know you can go to like coaching or there's like couples counseling or whatever it's weird to say but the the work piece made it feel less weird (laughs) and then once we started the process of finding the therapist it was it was funny that we always had to say hi we know that we're colleagues but we're not here because of our work (laughs) situation we are here because we want to work on our friendship but um Hmm. it was uh it, it still feels weird and strange to tell you that we did that And and I know that even though you didn't go into couples therapy to save your business, I think obviously that is a big part of your big friendship. And it sounds like there was just a lot at stake at the time. It is true that we were and are bound up in each other in in all of these ways that kind of extend beyond, you know, the core of our friendship. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy in a way. Um, like we are bound to each other and therefore we're going to work to stay bound to each other. <laughs> we were very upfront with the therapist who we interviewed that um, if somehow in this process we like came to the conclusion that working together was was really at the root of what was wrong or what was failing in our friendship, that we would be fully willing to walk away from the business in order to, um, you know, make our friendship work. And I think that knowing that also was... Um, Knowing that for me was really powerful because I, I knew for myself, like, oh, yeah, I will burn this thing to the ground if it means that we can still know each other. So, spoiler alert, couples therapy worked. And if you want to hear more about that and their takes on friendship, highly recommend checking out their book, Big Friendship. All right, coming up after the break, I'm going to Anne answer your questions about friendship and how money messes with it. It's easy to know you want to make a change in your life, but it is hard to actually do it. How to Be a Better Human from TED is a podcast for when self-help feels too daunting or maybe even unrealistic or just not for you. I'm Chris Duffy, the host of How to Be a Better Human, and trust me, I do not have it all figured out. But join me as I talk to experts about actually attainable ways we can try to improve our lives, whether it's facing fears, setting boundaries, cleaning your house without feeling like a failure, or all sorts of other topics. Find How to Be a Better Human wherever you get your podcasts. Last Day is a show about the moments that change us. I just don't think I will ever get used to this. I'm Stephanie Whittleswax, and I have had one of these moments. We all have. So let's unpack the chaos that is our human existence together. I don't believe things happen for a reason. I don't believe the universe has a plan. Each week, I sit down with a new guest to explore happy, sad stories of transformation. It's leaning far, far into the pain. That's what it is. Listen to Last Day wherever you get your podcasts. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. 
Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Okay, so we have a segment on our show that we call the group chat. And it's where we bring on people to give advice to our listeners dealing with difficult money and work-related problems. And since y'all are big friends in business together, we thought it'd make sense for y'all to give advice about money and friends. Feels appropriate. Okay, so here is our first question, which I actually think is right up your alley. How do you make your gift-giving friends feel loved if you are not naturally a my-love-language-is-gifts kind of person? Yeah, I will say that just on a like very practical level, and I know that Anne does this too, um, gift giving really is just about listening to what your friends need. Like I really mm-hmm. reject the fact that you have to get like really expensive things or that it has to be really showy or whatever. There's a kind of person that likes that kind of gift. And if your friend is that kind of person, then you should know that about them. And so on a <laughs> practical level, I just have a, like a note in my phone that is just um, anytime I hear my friends express something that they might be interested in where I just jot it down. You know, and so it's like, oh, yeah, like so and so said they would be like into getting a weighted blanket or trying it out or so and so is like complaining about, um, you know, their glassware or blah, blah, blah. But I think that more than stressing out about gifts, I think that it's nice to know what your friends like actual relationship is with things that they receive. Like I have one friend who Mm -hmm. is like would hate to receive anything. And I was like, you don't get gifts. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I love that. I'm going to do that. The note idea. Um, because I don't know, I also have this inclination sometimes where I'm like, oh my God, do I need to spend a lot of money on this friend? Especially if they've given me a gift that's really expensive. And then if I can't think of the right gift, sometimes I'm just like, my knee jerk reaction is to be like, well, let me get you 15 mediocre gifts or something (laughs) like that, which makes no sense. And is an awful idea. I feel like that impulse is what keeps the candle industry in business. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) For me, the emotional experience of receiving a good gift is about feeling seen and recognized about the fact that my friend has observed something about my life or about me. And I think that if, if you are on the receiving end of a gift and you are not someone who frequently expresses love by giving gifts, what you can do is vocalize to your friend just how loved and seen you felt by that gift and to really think about how you are putting your love and attention for your friend into other areas of your life because it doesn't have to be the exact same expression but I do think that finding a way to convey you know that you're paying attention and you care is is important yeah that's nice um okay so we had a couple of people pose questions about their friends making bad money decisions. Like one person wrote in about their friend stress buying $10,000 worth of clothes. We also got questions about always being in the position to loan friends money. And, And really like in all these scenarios, the central question kind of boils down to when good friends are having money problems, how involved can we really get? As someone who, like, my instinct is always to fix. Like, whenever I'm one of those, like, annoying people that when someone is venting to me, I have to remember that, oh, all they're doing is venting. Like, they're not actually asking me to fix anything. And Mm -hmm. so, and I think that, like, with money, this also applies where unless your friend, like, directly asks you for money, they're not actually asking you for money and they're not asking you Mm. how to fix it. So I think that that's, like, one thing that's just, like, one beat to always take. I also think that, like, my philosophy in general is that, um, you know, there is no loaning friends money. You either are giving it to them Mm -hmm. or not, you know? Hmm. Wait, why is that your philosophy? uh, 
Because I, I'm not a bank, you know, I was like, banks have uh, <laughs> entire mechanisms for how loans work. Like we don't have a, there is no like a, you know, I'm like, Congress is not going to enforce any kind of like act of forgiving between friends. So right. I just, you know, I was like, there, there are places that people can borrow money. Like I personally am not a place that you can borrow money. I am a place mm. that you can get money or, or not. Like, I think that mm-hmm. it's okay to ask a friend for money. And it's also okay for a friend to say that they cannot give you that money. Um, you know, for whatever, for whatever the reason is, but it requires like a really, um, you know, like tactical and hard kind of conversation to have. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, okay. So our next question from one of our listeners, this person wrote in and said, I have a friend who ties so much of her worth to work. She grew up poor and her parents didn't go to college. She works admin jobs at places she deems quote unquote prestigious because they make her feel legit in some way but she never seems actually happy. The jobs don't pay her well. They stress her out. And, and sometimes we talk about it and she asks for advice, but then she'll get extremely defensive. She seems stuck in the cycle of staying put somewhere because of what the job symbolizes. And it feels kind of toxic. I'm not sure how to broach that conversation with her. All right. So y'all have any advice? Like, you know, like I hear from the the person who's asking the question, the the person who sends in this query, like a little bit of judgment about how their friend approaches work. And to be clear, mm-hmm. like, I'm like, I would have that same kind of judgment. Like people who are like, oh my God, like work is everything. Um, I'm like, I, uh, I am no longer there in my life. So this <laughs> yeah. is not a, this is not a thing I have. So I understand the judgment and I sympathize with it. But, you know, I would ask my friend a lot of questions and not make a lot of declarative statements Mm. because I think that you really have to get them to verbalize to you what the issue is, you know? Right. Almost like approaching it like a therapist. Yeah. Like, you know, like, like, do you feel like you work too much? Do you, you know, like, do you, do you get a sense that if you had a different kind of job at a, you know, less prestigious company that that would be an issue for you? Like, how do you feel about, you know, the rest of your balance, you know, like work versus the other things in your life and really get them to just be the ones that are saying that? Because I think Mm -hmm. that you get to the bottom of what is actually the issue faster, um, than the not. Some people are really happy with, um, you know, with the way that they conduct themselves, like prioritizing work. And I was like, that is a hundred percent valid and great. Um, but I think that it's important to have them say it in their own words. Mm-hmm. You know, friendship is, is not, um, you know, a pledge to save the other person from all things in their life. It's just about continuing to show up. And I think in some ways mm-hmm. being a mirror for that person. And so, you know, that's why, something like questions like that, that is your job as a friend. It's not your job to say like, okay, I've failed unless my friend is in a career that they find more satisfying, you know, like, like that, that's actually not, um, (laughs) what friendship is. (laughs) That is a different kind of life coaching that you are not actually providing in, in friendship. That's a different kind of relationship and agreement. Right. Right. And I think y'all wrote about this in your book, which is that like, I, I really love this sentiment, that we don't necessarily choose our friends because we think that they'll advance us in our careers, that they'll catapult us to the next thing. But through the organic evolution of a friendship, like that does end up happening if it's a strong friendship because they're cheering you on, they're supporting you, they're asking you these sort of tough questions to have you reflect. 
Yeah. I mean, there was a phase of my professional life where I can remember saying to Aminati all the time, like, I haven't hit the wall yet, but I can see the wall. (laughs) And, you know, I think she gently pointed out that like, maybe if you can see the wall, it's the same thing, but she wasn't like, quit your job now. You know what I mean? There is (laughs) a difference between saying like, here's what I hear you saying. And like, um, and I'm going to tell you how to extricate yourself from what I see as an unhealthy situation. Totally. Um, Okay, so I love this next question because it's something I've thought about a lot. Um, And here it is. We're in an age when a lot of us are freelance or gig workers to some extent. How do you lean on your friend's expertise without exploiting their labor? And how do you offer your expertise without feeling used? I love this question because it is so (laughs) self-aware. And uh, as a freelancer, I feel that a lot. I just think that acknowledging whenever you are asking for free labor or what could seem like free labor, just to saying that that's what might be happening already takes so much pressure off of everyone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I think that it's also incumbent on people who are asked this kind of thing to be really clear about their boundaries and say like, oh yeah, right. like I'm happy to talk to you on the phone for 30 minutes or I can do this one specific thing for you and it's a favor or no, actually I don't, I'm on deadline or I don't have time mm-hmm. or I, you know, or I would just rather not. Like those are all fine things to say because again, the way that you ask your friends is always like telling about what kind of friend you are. And the way that your friends respond to you is also telling about what kind of friend they mm-hmm. are, you know? And if, if you're asking someone for like their free labor and they say no, and you get mad about that, I would say like, please look in the mirror. That is a, <laughs> that is a shitty, like no one owes you, no one owes you to do your fucking work totally. for you. So that is, um, you know, I just think that those are all things to point to, but I, you know, like I have to say as someone who works for myself that I have been a recipient of the generosity of so many of my friends, mm-hmm. like people are so willing to help and talk you through a thing and, you know, and, and be there, but you have to be willing to do the same thing for them. And, um, you know, or you should just pay your friends to do the thing that you want them to do. That is a, you know, I'm like, that's not hard. Right. Wow. Y'all are such professionals with boundaries. I love it. (laughs) I mean, there's like, there are not enough hours in the day. (laughs) I know. All right. On that note, I will let y'all go. This has been really fun. Thank you so much for this. You are the best. Thanks so much for having us. Thanks for having us. All right. That is all for this week's show. If you want to reach out, you can hit us up at uncomfortable at marketplace.org. You can also find me on Twitter at Rima Hreis. Also, if you haven't already, please do not forget to subscribe to our newsletter. This week, we've got a story from a listener who IKEA hacked her home office, plus some great recommendations from our team, including checking out a new streaming service that is perfect for Halloween. The newsletter drops Friday morning, so you can subscribe now at marketplace.org slash newsletters. This is Uncomfortable is produced by me, Rima Hreis, Megan Dietry, Haley Hirschman, and Peter Balanon-Rosen. Our editor is Michaela Bly. Our intern is Daniel Martinez. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Ben Tolliday is our audio engineer. Satar Nieves is the executive director of On Demand at Marketplace. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right, I'll catch y'all soon. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. 
You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy.